0: Open your Bibles to Isaiah 55. So as we begin a new year and a new semester, we are also entering into a new season of ministry as Coram Christian Fellowship. We are a year and a half into our ministry here at VSU as a student org. And we have been laying a foundation for much more to come. As I told you before, Those of you who have been here from the beginning will not see the best days of Coram Deo. But you are an essential part of the success of this ministry. You have the opportunity to establish the culture and traditions and expectations, hymnal, that will continue on far after your college career. And so, We've spent the last 18 months working towards that goal. We've had to figure out what Sunday nights on campus would look like. How could we get a home-cooked meal uh, up the stairs and into these rooms without uh, spilling it uh, like the episode of The Office with the chili all over the floor? We've had a couple close calls, but we figured it out. We've spent 18 months learning the liturgy, the rhythms of our worship, Learning to sing songs like this, weird songs that you've never heard before that, that doesn't go like anything you've heard on the radio. And three-part canons. Some of you have learned how to sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat as a part of this ministry. <laughs> Even stepping out on a limb to learn how to at least try to sing harmony. We've worked our way through the book of Romans, establishing this organization on the bedrock of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've learned new theology, tackled difficult and controversial topics. We've seen at least a couple of you get baptized and join a local church. We've taken a couple road trips to the mountains and watched Elijah fix his broke down Jeep in the pouring rain. (laughs) He didn't get ran over by a train, though. (laughs) Rednecks, you'll understand that joke. We took Charles to the ER, waited an hour for some mediocre (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Not to mention Fraser's personal encounter with the haunted cosmos in, in the form of the Starlink satellites. More recently, we've watched Nathan and Emily and Andrew and Daisy get married. We saw Andrew confuse a Haitian chili pepper with a kumquat. He almost died. We've been Christmas caroling for some sweet old ladies and the Waffle House staff. And who else knows what else is in store for this year? Already, God has blessed us through this simple little campus ministry, and I believe that we are just beginning. God will continue to lavish more and more blessings upon us as we seek to be faithful to his word in every part of our lives. And so tonight's sermon is going to be a call to go deeper. It'll be a call to keep coming, keep coming to the abundance of grace that our God freely gives to those who seek him. And it will be a call to extend these blessings to others, to invite your friends and classmates into this community of grace. This is where we must go if we want to see continued success in this ministry. We must go farther into the grace of God in Christ and farther out on campus in inviting unbelievers and the unchurched into this great Sabbath feast that we've experienced. So with with that said, let's stand together once again to honor the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 55, we'll read the first three verses. This is the word of our Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David." This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we turn to it tonight, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would apply this word to our lives and be conformed into the image of your son. For his glory we pray. Amen. 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 You be seated. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I feel like I say that like every other week. This is one of them. This is maybe a top tenner. Uh, Because in this passage, we see God's heart towards his people, like distilled. Following generations of disobedience and idolatry, God's covenant people had en masse turned away from him. And like a good father who loves his children, God disciplined them. God called the Assyrians to conquer Israel, stripping them of their kingdom and laying upon them the curses of the covenant that they broke. Yet here, towards the end of Isaiah's prophecies, God is promising the restoration that will come when his people repent and call upon him. And here we have the ministry of Christ prophesied and summarized with compelling imagery. When you look at these verses tonight, you'll see with extravagant obviousness that our God is an inviting God. God's natural instinct is to invite us in, not to drive us out. You'll see that all separation and that we experience towards God is in fact the result of our own sin and hardness of heart. Not because of any coldness or callousness in him. You'll see that our God is not miserly or stingy, but is eternally generous, giving of the best of his stores. So I've titled this sermon, The Invitation of God, because I know Pastor Mike loves sermons with titles. (laughs) He made that clear at the last (laughs) counterculture. Though there is much more in this text, and really, even as I was reading it again tonight, I was like, man, I'm leaving so much meat on the bones in this sermon tonight. So there's much here, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at this invitation from God from two different angles. The invitation to the thirsty and the invitation of abundant life. The invitation to the thirsty and the invitation to abundant life. So let's begin with the invitation to the thirsty. So chapter 55 actually begins with a word that is left untranslated in the ESV. It is not in the ESV translation, uh, obviously. It begins in the Hebrew with the word hoy. It's an interesting word hoy it's an interjection it's an attention-grabbing word that commands the readers attention it's something like oh or alas kind of like behold it's saying look Isaiah is saying this is important and more than that it's amazing pay attention he says oh come everyone who thirsts come to the waters In extending this invitation to the thirsty, God is inviting everyone. We're all thirsty in our souls, apart from God. Haven't you felt this? Haven't you been thirsty? And maybe you're thirsty right now. Have you felt that longing for more meaning in your life? More joy? More of something? And you don't even know what it is, but you know that you're missing it. You're thirsty. And in this passage, God is saying, if you're thirsty, come to the waters. Come to me. He says, come to the waters. Such a simple solution to our thirst. Just come. Come to the waters. You're thirsty? Come to the waters. It makes sense, right? But so often it eludes us. We spend our whole lives searching for water, with dust in our mouths, clinging to anything that we can find that looks like water, chasing distant mirages that only leave us thirsting for more. Yet at the same time, we pretend that we've got it all together. We pretend that we're well hydrated, that we're happy with ourselves, with no need of God. And therein lies the problem. That is precisely why such a simple solution to our spiritual thirst is impossible to acquire in our flesh. In order to come to the waters, you have to first admit that you're thirsty. You have to admit that you're weak and foolish. You have to admit that you spent the last 20 years digging wells that could never hold water, when all the while an everlasting fountain was freely available if you would have just humbled yourself and taken a drink. This prideful obstinance is ultimately what makes our sin so sinful. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Isn't that true? And this is why the Lord asks here in Isaiah 55 in verse 2, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And isn't that a question that cuts you deep? How much of our money do we spend on worthless things? Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our spending habits are reflections of our priorities. Our spending follows our affections, and our affections are driven by our spiritual thirst. And in our sin, we seek to satisfy our hunger and thirst with that which is not bread and that which does not satisfy. We spend our money on worthless things. We spend our money on counterfeits. We spend the money of our souls on imitation bread, which is not only plastic and lacking, but is laced with poison. Yet, like an addict, we spend all of our money on it. We're enslaved, bankrupt and in bondage, always consuming, but never filled. We become like the very fires of hell. And still, God says, come. Oh, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I know you have no money. I know that you've spent it all on that which does not satisfy. Still, come. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This is the grace of God. Are you thirsty? Then come. The invitation of God is an invitation to the thirsty, and it is an invitation to abundant life. So, how do you view the call to come? How do you view the call to follow Christ to be, to become a Christian? Too many people view the call to come to the Lord as a call to restriction. But the invitation of Christ is an invitation to abundance, not restriction. It's a call to freedom, not bondage. It's a call to delight, not drudgery. The Lord says, come to me, come to the waters. Not come to the water. Come to the waters, plural. There's an unending supply of satisfying water in God. When you come to Him with the deep need of your soul, you will not find Him lacking. But it is His glory to meet and fill every need of yours according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 And notice that He offers more than just water. As if we needed more. (laughs) But He offers more than just water. He says, come, buy wine and milk. Too many Christians come to the Lord just for water. They come just to live, just to survive, just to escape death and hell. And praise God for that. But he offers more. In this passage, he says, Come for water, meaning come for life, but also come for wine and milk. Come by gladness and nourishment. Wine is a celebratory drink. Psalm 104.15 says that God gave wine to gladden the heart of man. When we pour a glass of wine in joy and celebration at a wedding or a feast with friends, we are partaking in a tangible object lesson meant to teach us about God. We should come to Him for happiness. Not only is He a fountain of living water, but He is an ever-flowing supply Of rich wine do you think of God like this is it your instinct to draw near to God in order to have a good time do you draw near to him to drown out your sorrows and depression or do you spend your money on that which does not satisfy do you take a drink of social media or actually too much alcohol Or do you simply wallow in your misery? The Lord says, come buy wine. Come to me and I will delight your soul. He also says, come buy milk. Milk is nourishing. Actually, raw milk is a complete food. It provides everything that you need for nourishment in itself. So when you come to God through Christ, you come for salvation, water, joy, wine, and nourishment, milk. You come for growth. When you come to God, you don't remain the same, but you change, you grow. You are strengthened in the maturity, into the very likeness of Jesus Christ Himself. Again, too many Christians try to grow in Christ's likeness by their own strength. They seek the nourishment of self-help and willpower. They're motivated by a crippling rhythm of pride and shame. And they wonder why there's no growth in their life. They wonder why there's no growth in holiness and victory over sin. It's because they aren't coming to God for milk. They aren't deriving their strength from a living relationship with God in Christ. Christian, when you come to Christ for strength, all that you need is provided in Him. And it's all given for free. He says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. This is grace. This is the gift of God that we receive by faith in Christ. God isn't asking us to pay Him back. We could never do that anyways. All you have to do to receive this grace is to come. Open the empty hands of faith and receive water and wine and milk and rich food, not because you deserve it or you can afford it, but because God wants to give it freely. (coughs) Now, just because it's free doesn't mean that it's cheap. Hashtag grace Cafe on Patterson Street. It's a good point. No, grace is costly. Grace was bought with a price. Just because there's not a price that we pay doesn't mean that there wasn't a price. Grace was bought with a price, just not by us. This grace was purchased for us By the blood of Jesus. It was a great cost, and it is a great gift. This isn't a free lunch from a public school cafeteria. This is rich food. Verse 2 says, We are to come and eat what is good. Because God is the God of abundance, He goes over the top, He gives. When He gives, He doesn't just give enough. He lavishes. He gives richly. Just look at the stars in the sky on a dark night. Did God really have to give us that many? And we can't see but a fraction of a fraction of them. He's the God of abundance. How many different varieties of wildflowers bloom on the side of the road in the summertime? Wouldn't just like one beautiful variety of flowers be enough? How many different types of flavors and spices are there available for us to enjoy in our food? He could have made everything taste like grits, and that would be good. (laughs) I wouldn't complain. But He's the God of abundant life, He goes over the top in giving good gifts to His children. So, get this in your minds and in your hearts. The invitation of God is not an invitation to restriction, but to abundance. And we try to point to that each week in our Sabbath dinners. We try to avoid the typical college ministry practice of having pizza with everything. Instead, we want to give just a taste of this abundance of rich food that is available in Christ. The food for our bodies is meant to teach us about the food for our souls available in God. So, you've all have been invited. You've been invited into the saving and satisfying grace of God. And you've been invited into one particular expression of God's saving grace when you were invited to Coram Deo. It is our goal that when you come to a Sabbath dinner, you have a foretaste of a heavenly reality. This is why we read from Isaiah 25 prior to our meal. We have been given a feast of everlasting joys. And by God's grace and through the invitation of a friend, you have experienced it. So my challenge to each of you tonight and throughout the semester is this. You have been invited into this amazing life, amazing abundant life even in Christ. You must, therefore, extend that invitation to others. You have been saved from your eternal thirst, a thirst that is fatal and leads to hell. But you have been saved you have received the invitation to living waters, to wine and milk, and to the richest of feasts. Would you keep that to yourself? You've been invited to Coram Deo, and apparently you've been blessed by it or you wouldn't keep coming back. Don't you want others to get in on this? Listen, as followers of Christ and as partakers of his own divine nature, we should have an instinct to invite. We should have an instinct to invite because we should be like God, and that is His instinct. It's His natural instinct to call us nearer, not to drive us away, and certainly not to ignore us in apathy. So we've been at this for a year and a half. We've figured out who we are and what we do, We've developed friendships in a compelling community to invite others into. So it's time that we get busy inviting. Invite your friends. Invite your classmates. Help out with tablings and evangelism on campus. Twist someone's arm. Bring them with you to dinner on Sunday nights. And you guys know that I'm not driven by numbers. If that was the case, this ministry would look completely different. We certainly would not sing the song that we sang right before the sermon. We're not trying to fill a room for room filling's sake or to post a picture on Instagram for validation. And honestly, it's a lot easier to cook for 20 to 30 that we have right now than for 50. But the whole purpose of this ministry is to reach the unchurched students' and to engage them with the gospel and a holistic Christian worldview. And if we're going to reach them, we have to invite them. And an invitation from you is going to go a lot further than an invitation from some random 30-year-old creeping on campus. Don't know who that is. Though I will continue to creep. Like, let's get real. If you have a group project this semester and your group members don't learn about Coram Deo, you will have dropped the ball. If the people who sit around you in class don't at least receive one of our business card invitations, are you even trying? And when you do give these invitations and they do show up, will they be welcomed into a compelling community formed by the gospel? Will they taste the abundant life given freely in Christ? Will they witness a group of people who have tasted and seen that God is good? Or will they walk into a room full of hypocrites? Will they hear a message about living water and witness a group of people still groping for that which does not satisfy? Will they hear a message about the welcome of Christ while sitting all by themselves? Will they hear that God knows their name while God's people treat them like a stranger? Now, I'm confident that y'all will embody that compelling community that we strive to be. I've seen it and experienced it, but you can always go deeper. And so that's the charge for 2024 to develop an instinct to invite. Having been invited by God Himself into eternal, abundant life, we must extend that invitation as his children and his ambassadors. And let us continue to build upon the foundation that has been laid, knowing that the best days are yet to come. So y'all ready? You ready for 2024? By God's grace, we will do it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the gift of this ministry. We thank you. I thank you specifically for the gift of these people. Uh, Some of these relationships I've had for many years, and some of them are just beginning. And they have all been an encouragement and a blessing to me and my family. And So God, I pray that you just continue to build this ministry, that it be built upon the foundation of your word, that we would not be ashamed for any single letter in your word that we would not turn away from proclaiming the whole counsel of God, the goodness of your creation and your redemption in Christ. God, when all else forsakes us, God, would you give us the grace of knowing that this group is with us, that we have a family, that we have a community, that we have uh, brothers and sisters who are bound to us, in Christ, no matter what comes. And that even then, if, if all else falls away, that we have you. Lord, we thank you that we have these promises that we can stand upon. And we ask that you build this ministry and continue to add to our number for your glory on this campus. Lord, we want the gospel of Jesus to be unignorable here at VSU. And we ask that you would accomplish it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.